Aloha, everyone. Say it right. Some of you have been to Hawaii, I can tell. Uh, nice to be with you. Uh, uh, when, I, when I travel, uh, my church always makes a point to uh, pray for the places uh, to which uh, we go. And so uh, they're, uh, they're praying for you and sending blessings and aloha uh, from Hawaii. Uh, as a result, uh, the church kind of likes me to represent them, uh, which means I have to be nice and stuff, um, and, uh, and to introduce them uh, to you. Uh, as a blessing of, of relationship. And the way we do that in Hawaii is we have this tradition called talk story. Uh, in, in Hawaii, there's sort of a pigeon English, and talk story is the pigeon phrase. I don't know exactly what your, your uh, UK equivalent would be, something like uh, in, in mainland America, they might say, Sh- shoot the breeze or chew the fat or you know something like that. You swap stories, you get to know uh, each other uh, before you progress too far. That's the idea. Um, so, uh, to introduce myself to congregation, I just like to tell stories, recent stories from my church family to your church family. That, that's the idea. So, uh, this morning I was thinking of, of a story from my church, a recent story uh, that was instigated by this fellow in our church named Samuel. Great guy. Uh, Samuel's uh, African-American guy. He's like six foot five, 230 pounds. This big old guy, huge booming voice. And, you know, just a, a person you always notice. Um, and he was recently on a trip to Brazil, uh, uh, sent uh, by a church to Brazil to help um, with uh, some uh, yeah, church planting and, and, and equipping young leaders, one of those sorts of trips. And uh, while he was there, uh, he befriended this, uh, this very young uh, young Christian, young disciple, but he was uh, being raised up in ministry leadership, and they had been praying together about seeing, uh, you know, the kingdom of heaven on earth, and really seeing some fruit in the streets, and, and maybe some supernatural ministry in the streets, and, and, the, and the, young, the young man was complaining, well, I, I've just never really experienced, experienced that with God in, in my, my ministry, his young ministry. So Samuel woke up one morning just filled with faith, and he went to this young man, and he says, we're going out on the town today, and we're just going to see some miracles. You are going to experience the kingdom of heaven with me. And when a guy like Samuel says that to you, he's just got a way of making you believe it, you know? You know those sorts of people? You just kind of believe it when he says it. So off they went. They got in a car that Samuel had hired, and uh, they just went to the town center. They went to, like, a grocery store, uh, uh, for some reason, and uh, as they were walking in, uh, they saw uh, this guy at the entrance to the store who was, who, uh, was on crutches. He'd been hurt, couldn't walk without crutches. And uh, so Samuel was like, we're going to heal that guy, and uh, dragged him in and had the young man uh, minister uh, healing to the fellow on crutches, and just immediately healed, or just healed his legs and he could walk. So that was really encouraging. And from there, they went into the grocery store, and they just started walking the aisles, looking for sick people to pray for, anybody who had a cast or something like that. So they experienced one or two more healings there. And then they went out to a city park and did the same thing. They healed like seven or eight people, just kind of bam, 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 uh, through the day. And Samuel was 
uh, encouraging the young man. It's like, man, you just got to try these things. You know, the kingdom of heaven is with us, that sort of thing. It's a great story. So they hop back in the hired car and they drive home at the end of the afternoon uh, into uh, the apartment uh, complex where Sammy was staying. And there was a gate at the entrance. And as they pulled up to the gate, they had to stop, wait for the gate to open. And a man jumped out of the bushes that were there uh, with, a, with a gun and held them up at gunpoint, robbed them at gunpoint, uh, put the gun in Samuel's face and said, you know, give me your wallet, you give me your passport, and you give me the car, or I'm going to kill you right now. The young man was sitting next to him. And as Samuel tells the story, uh, he says, such peace came over me, you could not believe it. There was just peace manifest in the car. Looked over at the young man, and he also was just, just peaced out, just not afraid at all, which is its own sort of miracle, yeah? Uh, And Samuel sort of turned over uh, a bag of stuff and got out of the car. The the thief took the car, uh, never fired the gun, drove the car away. I think it it ended up stalling a mile or two later. They got the car back. (laughs) Um, um, But but the most remarkable thing about that moment to Samuel was the, uh, the peace that they had inside the vehicle when they were staring down the barrel of a pistol. Um, Samuel, after uh, it was all done, Samuel turned to the young man and said, how are you, you know? It's like, don't let that uh, steal away your experience. And, uh, and then the young man started telling the story that the year previously, he had been in a car with his father and seen his father killed that way. And they shot him killed. What I love about that story uh, is just the, the redemption in it. Uh, the boy said, this time I felt peace. How does that happen? How does Jesus do that? And that too, a great discipleship lesson. The arc of faith in the story. Sometimes faith gives you miracles, doesn't it? And sometimes faith gives you peace as you stare down the barrel of a gun, whether it be literal or metaphorical. And sometimes peace gives you recovery uh, from uh, the trauma that you have. That's my talk story. I feel like uh, we know each other better now. Uh, your church knows my church. And, uh, and I look forward to hearing your stories of faith as well. Faith is a thing that just fascinates me. I do not come by it naturally. I was a super, super depressed young person and, and just had to get the hang of uh, expecting good things to happen in life and understanding uh, how God uh, does that. Um, and uh, I am hyper aware of the role of faith in the kingdom of God and all the gospel stories that I read in scripture nine times in scripture when a miracle happens for somebody Jesus turns to them and says your faith made you well your faith did that for you you know not like God did that for you although the role of God is obvious in all the miracles but your faith made the connection. Your faith is is what made it happen. I I used to think that if God were more obvious, then faith would be easier, right? Um, Then I read the story of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Anybody know that story? That's kind of, we know that story. 
So in that story, Adam and Eve walked physically with God in the garden. It was easy to believe in God because you could see God and provision was plentiful. Everything was, was paradise. Um, even better than living in Hawaii. I had to go there. I had to say that. Um, But though Adam and Eve could see God plainly, they did not trust God, did they? Uh, We know that story. They fell into sin and all sorts of tragedy happened. They could see God, but they did not trust God. Uh, And so what God did from that point forward, he inverted life for humans in such a way that now we have to trust in God in order to see him. You see how it worked? And then that's been the human story ever since. You know, trust, faith, that connection is what makes it happen. And of course, you don't trust anything until you entrust yourself to it, right? You get the idea? You could could see the flimsy rope bridge that stretches across the chasm. You could trust that it's there. You could trust that it's strong, but you don't really trust it until you take the step out upon it and start walking. Now you have entrusted yourself to it. You could believe that the business deal is a good business deal, but you don't trust it until you sign the contract and commit yourself to it, right? Trust comes from entrusting, from taking a step of action. Or as I like to say, and we talked about a lot this week at the conference, faith means trying. You have to try the things of God. That's a way of entrusting yourself to the things of God. And then then the, the faith happens And God has designed the universe in such a way that faith releases things. Faith releases relationship with God. It releases seeing of a lot of different sorts, either the sort of seeing that manifests in miracles or the sort of seeing that manifests in peace or the sort of seeing that manifests in recovery. Um, And those things are all hallmarks of faith in Jesus. Faith, again, is not what you believe. It's what you do with what you believe. Right? It's not kind of what you know, it's what you entrust yourself to. And there are all sorts of ways to entrust yourself to God. I thought this morning what I'd do is just share um, a couple stories from Scripture, some of my favorite stories about faith and its nature. Kind of the spirit of faith, the character of faith, the quality of faith, because again, this is something that, that fascinates me. Um, in order to kind of sp- help spread the spirit of faith in this house. So I'd love for it to be filled with the spirit of faith. This is something that I say to my church all the time. My, my dream for church is that when people walk through the doors for the first time, that the whole atmosphere would feel different. That you'd walk into a church building, to a, a small group gathering or whatever it might be for you, and, and suddenly even the uninitiated would feel that things are possible now, right? That change is possible, that the air itself would just sizzle and sparkle with the power of trust and entrusting, with kind of the spirit of try, right? Um, ah, let's practice that right now. Let's go for it. Turn to somebody and say, ooh, something's going to happen. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I know, this isn't particularly British, but... Ooh, something's gonna happen. 
And what you're doing there is that you're kind of leaning into it a little bit. You're kind of like, you're kind of getting yourself going in the proper direction. I think Jesus was just a master at creating this kind of atmosphere. I think wherever he went, you know, he had an entourage of people and everybody was just kind of leaning into expectations. Like something's gonna happen today. Some stuff just happens around Jesus. You know, great stories happen around Jesus. Miracle stories, recovery stories, challenging stories, but always there's something's gonna happen around Jesus. I would just love it if people walked into my church on a Sunday morning, if they suddenly just felt like, I gotta keep my eyes open. (laughs) Something's gonna happen here, you know? And I think this is a house that is very much like that as well. Anyways, I wanna read a story. From Mark chapter 5, this is a story about a woman who was hemorrhaging, who had been bleeding for 12 years. Do you know this story? It's kind of a cool healing story. The setup is that Jesus is getting fairly well known in his public ministry now. Uh, He's done, uh, he's very recently cast a bunch of demons uh, out of someone, which followed the miraculous feeding where he, he fed a crowd of thousands with just a few loaves and fishes. And so wherever he goes, kind of the crowd starts to gather. Why? Because you have the feeling that if you get around Jesus, something just might happen. You know, it's that, that spirit, that, that atmosphere. And, and, and the word is kind of filtering out there. It's kind of getting around. And Jesus has just rode across the lake. Uh, he's gotten out of the boat. He's moving with his disciples. He's on his way to a certain ministry appointment. And we pick up the story in Mark chapter 5. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. This is a very sorry situation. This woman is very beaten down. When she heard about Jesus... And that's the line you want to highlight. That's, that's the one that you want to underline. When she heard about Jesus, that's the crux of the story, if you will. She heard something about Jesus. And she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed, which is a very interesting thing for her to believe. Immediately, her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. Immediate healing. It's a great story, man. At once, Jesus realized the power had gone out from him. He feels that something has gone down. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? What just happened? Something just happened. Because that's what happens around Jesus. Something. Something just happened. He didn't even know exactly what it was. You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask, who touched me? Come on, Jesus, everybody's bumping against you. Let's get a move on. But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it, and then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace, healing and peace. And be freed from your suffering. Um, Such an interesting story. This woman in the story fascinates me because she did everything wrong. She did everything wrong. And I love those stories. I just love those stories. 
Uh, some of you may know uh, that in, in Old Testament law, in that custom, in that culture, if a woman were bleeding, say her monthly bleeding, she was considered ceremonially unclean, and she was not allowed out of the house. She was not allowed to be around other people. She was not allowed to be in public. Well, this woman had been bleeding for 12 years. So she was socially outcast for 12 years. By law, she had to be shut in, isolated, sheltered in place. Maybe some of you have had an experience like that recently, maybe, some of us. Just totally isolated, only for her more so. She was considered diseased, dangerous. After 12 years, she probably would have been considered stricken by God. Technically, if she were to go out in public, she could be stoned for contaminating the people around her. But she heard about Jesus. And so she decided she could break the law. Think about that for a second. She heard about Jesus and she thought, well, I can just do this anyway. I could just break the law anyway. So she went out and she thinks to herself, if I could just touch his clothes, I'd be healed. Now, what kind of healing model is that? Who taught you that? The way to get healing is just to sneak up behind John and Debbie and just to touch the hem of their garment. Who taught you that? Who taught her that? Nobody taught her that. She just kind of figured it would work. And you have to ask yourself, what in the world did she hear about Jesus to make her think that this was possible? So I ask you, what did she hear about Jesus to make her think that she could behave all sorts of wrong? Think about it a second. She got out there in public. She contaminated the crowd. She snuck up behind Jesus, and she touched a man, which would have made him unclean, and he was a rabbi, a holy man, would have contaminated the religious leader. Plus, she was a woman touching a man in that culture, a big, big no-no. Everything she did was wrong. What did she hear about Jesus that made her feel she could behave like this and that it would bless her to do so? All right, what do you think? This is the smart section. (laughs) What did she hear about Jesus? This is the smart section. (laughs) What did she hear about Jesus? Healing, healing. Jesus healed people. Son of God, something very different about Jesus. So categories no longer longer count. This, This guy is different. What else? Merciful, that's interesting. Merciful, right? Because she would have felt quite judged and indeed guilty for what she did by law. Well, there's another answer. Peace at last, that's interesting. He, he had a peaceful presence. Yeah, all these, all these things I think are true answers, great answers. Uh, I think that somewhere along the line, what you heard about Jesus is that the dude was entirely inappropriate. <laughs> In some way, shape, or form, that's, that's what she heard, right? Because she felt permission to be inappropriate herself. God for inappropriate people. That could be a t-shirt. And it just made her feel free. This is a God who's, who's inappropriate that freed her up to have faith. And you believe that God is just a little more generous than is reasonable or customary. 
then that frees you up to have faith, the sort of faith wherein you could try stuff. Go out and try stuff. And boy, this woman was a fantastic trier. So she touches Jesus' cloak, and he feels power. He feels some sort of power moment go down. He turns around and said, who did that? She comes up. She, she says, says that she fell down before him, trembling with fear. Why? Because she thought that he was outing her. It's like, you broke the law. You shouldn't even be out here. She suspected she might be killed once she was revealed. But it said she shared the whole truth anyway. You know? And then Jesus says, uh, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. You're freed from your suffering. Only he didn't say it like that. He didn't say, daughter, your faith has healed you. You know, he didn't do that. He said, that's some faith right there. That's what I'm talking about. That was completely unreasonable. That was completely inappropriate. You're kind of awesome. My Bible, way more exciting than your Bible. <laughs> yeah, it's my translation. Right? It was inappropriate. And he, he, just, he just flips out when he gets a little inappropriate try out of someone. When he gets a little inappropriate trying out of someone, Jesus just flips out. He gets so exciting, he calls it out in the crowd and says, that's what I'm about. Because anybody who has faith like that can see God. One more story, what the time I have left. This is a story about a mom who was uh, troubled because her daughter was suffering. It's the story of the Canaanite woman and uh, another version. She's called the Syrophoenician woman. Uh, but it's, uh, it's the same story. Do you know this story? It's from Matthew chapter 15. What's happening here is that Jesus has taken his, his uh, ministry team, his disciples. They've been working really hard, so he's trying to, to leave uh, Israel for a while, go into uh, the kind of border territory and take a little retreat, a little getaway, a little peaceful weekend, a bank holiday uh, with, with, with his boys. Um, and so uh, he's, not, he's not on the clock, so to speak. This is not ministry time for him. But... A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. I'm in trouble. I've heard something about you. Help. Jesus did not answer a word. You ever felt like that? You're pleading to God about something and he just doesn't respond? That's the setup. So his disciples came to him and urged him, send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. So they were a great ministry team. It's like, yeah, she's just, you're kind of bugging me. You know, step off, if you will. And he answered and said, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel, which is kind of his explanation. You know, I think he's feeling a bit of a tug. It's like, you know, normally I help people, but, but she's not even a Jew. And the plan of Father God is bring salvation to the Jews, and then from there to the rest of the world. Scripture makes that very clear. So this is a little out of step, a little out of order, and Jesus is like, I, I don't really think this is the plan. So in case you're wondering, boys, that's why. But the woman came back and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. He replied, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs, which is very seeker-friendly. Some of you may know that dogs was the nickname the Jews uh, gave to Gentiles. It's like, so he's, you know, he's trying to say it in a vernacular that she would understand. It's like, the, this, the thing is that you're a Gentile and I'm a Jewish rabbi and it's just not time for this. So it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. 
Yes, it is, Lord. <laughs> I, love, I love this gal. I just love her. Yes, it is, Lord, she said. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus said to her, Woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed at that moment. The Lord said no. And the woman said, eh, but yes. <laughs> the Lord said, not in my plan, not in the plan of God. And the woman said, yeah, but faith. Yeah, but faith. And I'm here to tell you, Jesus is just a sucker for faith. And particularly inappropriate faith. Faith that is just all wrong, but faith anyway. Faith that just, just trusts in the generosity of God. And that kind of faith ends up seeing God. She jumps the queue. She short circuits the system. The system was... Jews first, demonstration, testimony. It finally gets to the Gentiles, and they believe, and they understand that the grace of God overflows to the non-Jews. And she's just like, no, nah, I'm just in now. Like, now, why? Because now is when I need it. Now is when my little girl needs it, and Jesus could not resist. She just dispensed with the theology. She dispensed with the ecclesiology, with the missiology, and she's like, yeah, but faith. Anyway, I hope that I've characterized in a way for you uh, the spirit of faith uh, that already inhabits this house in, in, in a big way. I believe that if we could create that atmosphere, then there need not be any model. You know, you could just like sneak up behind a prayer ministry team member and you can make your own connection, you know, so to speak. You know, stuff can happen. Something can just happen anywhere there's that sort of inappropriate cue jumping, illegal sort of faith. That's the nature of it. It's not something that perhaps can be explained precisely, but I believe it's something that kind of be caught like a virus, only a really good kind. It's contagious. Your attitude is the most contagious thing about you, whether it be good or bad, and your attitude of faith is a contagion for which the world is starving. The world does not care what you believe, but the world is starving for an attitude of faith. And having experienced the attitude of faith then they'll ask what you believe. <laughs>